Welcome to Cross of Gold, the podcast where two brothers, one a Christian in the political wilderness and the other a socialist in the spiritual wilderness, work to rediscover faith in each other, our communities, and the American experiment. We have begged and they have walked when our calamity came. We beg no longer, we defy them. You shall not press down upon the brow of labor this crown of thorns. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Your host, co-host, the socialist brother, Cyrus, again, here with my brother, Chase, the Christian brother. Chase, how are we doing today? Cyrus, you're starting to take like a soft despotistic move being host of this thing. It's very much like a socialist, it, It's or so it would seem. I've been planning to box you out for a while, so <laughs> make, make necessary preparations. Pack your bags. Oh, man, you know what? I'm exhausted, Cyrus, because uh, I'm confessing that now uh, so the Lord himself can help us here just because, man, we've been at this conversation, what, four times with tons of prep. And I guess I just want to come out and say that, you know, we've had some early successes, man, but it's not easy loving each other through these conversations and giving each other the time and the emotional endurance and empathy to really seek to understand each other like we've jacked this up a couple couple times and so like i'm just telling you man like i'm excited for it but i'm also exhausted yeah i think for anyone out there who uh, may still be listening to this podcast there's a reason why we thought this was a a worthwhile project to work on and that's because it's hard and we want to you know try and model for other people how to do those things but the end of the day we disagree on things we clash on things And hopefully through it, we uh, come to a better understanding of both our own point of view and the other person's point of view. But and hopefully with today's episode, as we talk about our new commander in chief, Joseph Robinette Biden, we will be able to do that. Yeah. And I I think what we're also trying to do is just get in a habit of brotherly love. Like I want to have these conversations with other people in this fashion. And man, if I can't have them with you like this, then we're really jacked up. So having said all that, you know what, you're going to we're going to we're going to chop up Biden. We're going to chop up particularly your perspective on Biden. And before we do all that, Cyrus Capo, really interested in, oh, dude, like we got to we got to start on a, a more simple basis than how we've been starting this one. Tell me, let's let's go back. Kick it old school. Tell me. Tell me, do you, so we're talking about the president. Did you have a first presidential memory, something like that? Like something that you remember or we shared? Yes. Yes. So I was born, a, born a Pisces in the Clinton years. So take that for uh, what you will. Three strikes against um, you already in three minutes in. But uh, that, that makes, you know, by the time I was of the age where I remember these types of things, it was the Bush years. And I remember a lot of that really well. What I remember the most, I think, one thing that really sticks out to me, and I remember the protests and the Iraq war and watching bombs being dropped in Iraq and whatever else. But in terms of the president, I remember mom taking me out of school one day to take me to a, a George Bush rally in the I run-up love to the 2004 election. How we played hooky a lot. Um, you know what? Like, we didn't play a lot, a lot, but mom was cool with like, you can blow out of class. Like, you know, we got, there we were certain to things do. that were more important than class. Yes. Um, and apparently in point, this case, it was a rally for defeating John Kerry was one of those things that math can freaking wait. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Hey, listen, I, I don't disagree with that sentiment in principle, but <laughs> this probably made up by capitalists. I mean, whatever. <laughs> but what I would say is that, you know, that I remember her thinking it was very important. The whole election was incredibly important that this was the difference possibly between 
America continuing to be the great country, as I was raised to believe it was, and of a terminal decline. George Bush won that election. And, you know, four years later, he turned out to be a pretty major disappointment to conservatives. So I think that kind of did color my perception of politics and presidential politics, especially. Okay. Um, all right. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, you know what? I, I remember, I think I remember going to that rally. I certainly remember, maybe we can uh, dice this up in a different episode, but I had the homeroom teacher in middle school, probably at the same, the same type of years, who would like scream at the class, no blood for oil. Like we don't have enough money in schools, but we're sending troops <laughs> overseas to die. So like I had that type of introduction, rad. yeah, to, to my uh, to my political experiences, and so like uh, yeah, the I, Bush era left was a was an odd bunch. Um, I have to respect them. I wasn't there, but I have to respect them for for mu- uh, what must have felt like they were going insane for eight years. But you know, I think that probably also is part of the reason why those that bunch got so excited for the Obama presidency. Ooh. Yeah. That was a time when people really wanted change. There, there was a sense that the status quo was not working for people. And that's what Obama sold himself as was. was oh, he was going to make Washington uh, oh. different. And he was going to uh, essentially from like liberal speak drain the swamp. Yeah, I mean, and I like, think you know, like yeah. take, uh, it de- decrease the impact of lobbying on legislation, like the whole gig. And I mean, uh, you know, based on who he was. Like everything down to his, you know, his name and skin color, because people looked at that and said, black guys named Barack Hussein Obama don't hold positions of power. It must mean that things are changing. Yes, it must mean that that things are going to be different. Yep. So, you know, I think that was that was the 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 message. That was what we were pitched. And like I said, I was pretty young during this time. But, you know, and I have the benefit of hindsight and retrospect. But it's pretty clear, and I think it became clear to most Americans during the eight years he was president that that was pretty much all words. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of, you know, we'll get to Biden's inauguration in a second as we, as we, you know, develop. Oh, yeah, we we don't need to, like, you know, we can have an episode for Obama, too, if we really need to. Sure, yeah, yeah, and and we we very well may have to, but I just mean in a general sense, you know, uh, the Obama administration, I think, is is going to be very indicative of what we get out of the Biden administration. Ah, very good. Okay. Um, a lot of hope, a lot of uh Well, you know, they they've it's the same almost the same situation. I mean, there are definitely different factors, but you have a part a president who's been a major disappointment to his party. Sort of, I mean, George Bush left the uh, White House in disgrace. I I do remember that even though I was younger. I remember his Well, he doubled down on the surge. I mean, you know, uh, the, there was the financial crisis. There was the Iraq right. war. Things were not looking. Good. No child left behind didn't really turn out to, you know, be that. So, yeah. Uh, so I think, you know, even people like a lot of Trump voters in his first election were former Obama voters, but they were alienated because the Democrats well, it didn't get made, hope and change, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they got there was change in so far as the people who were running the government looked different, but there wasn't change in the way people's relationship to the economy, to their boss, to their, you know, all the things that move their life along. It didn't change any of that. And, and I, I know I don't want to derail us because this is what we've been derailed on before. But yeah, I think there was a huge injection of identity politics, uh, maybe on both sides during those years, too. And some people were probably not stoked with that, particularly, you know, your white Democratic voter. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And and now we're, we're faced with a very similar situation in Joe Biden, who is leaving, you know, I think the Republican Party is in is trying to transition to its post-Trump phase. 
they want to wash their hands of him. You know, he, he served his purpose, but now he, his, his name is mud in a lot of ways, I think, especially after, or they're trying to make it that way, certainly. And so, so okay, now so I, it's, I, I just want to clarify this because you're telling me that you had, you don't are, you aren't filled with hope change and a sense of unity with Joe Biden and you are on the left. That is true. And I don't think I then Fox over- News is lying to somebody. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm overstepping by saying that most of people who are self-identified socialists or leftists of any stripe support Joe Biden. And admittedly, some of them voting voted for him. And, you know, listen, I can't comment on that, but I would say that I didn't. And I know a lot of people who share my values and views did not either. OK, but, you know, in fairness to Joe Biden. He has just been president for a week. Things, things, I'm not always perfect predictor. So I think the best thing to do is kind of take a more rigorous approach to, you know, who Joe Biden is and has been for his political career and life. You know, what he, what he's saying he wants to do with his presidency and then try to compare that with reality and, and see if that's what, you know, there, if we think that that's possible or the things he wants to do or says he wants to do or what he actually wants, says he wants to do. I appreciate this because, you know, Cyrus and I have gone back and forth and and episodes not aired and Cyrus has made a lot of claims. And I basically just said, no, come back with either history on him and or on what's already happened just because I I don't want opinion. And so uh, Cyrus, let's 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 talk through it, man. Um, I'm interested. Um, I'm I'm so I hear you basically talking to liberals who might be duped into the the unity thing. And you're also talking to conservatives as a little bit of a newsflash, like, hey, you're not lock, stock and barrel behind President Biden. Well, I mean, frankly, I find it amazing that conservatives aren't, you know, fans of Biden in a way because his his voting record and his political record is is extremely conservative. I think. What do you mean? Well, I mean, he, if you just like, so he became a senator for the first time in 1972, sixth youngest 1972, senator. Good year. Very good year. Very good year. Um, <laughs> that was when things really started to fall apart, actually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he ran on environmental issues, withdrawing from Vietnam, civil rights, mass transit, equitable taxation, uh, equitable health care. And uh, in his words, you know, dissatisfaction with quote unquote politics as usual. So then in the decades uh, following that, he was responsible for not that much, honestly, the more you do research on him, the things he was responsible for. He took for. the Amtrak though. I mean, he's, you know, uh, average Joe. Yeah, that's right. Working man's Joe. He drinks his coffee black. <laughs> so, I mean, his first major achievement, if you want to call it that, was the 1984 crime bill. Okay, so just give me, give me a scoop on that. I mean, that sounds like it was good. Well, I mean, if you're interested in sort of law and order politics as as you know as they are then i guess it might be but so but he was in it, favor of lock them up basically super predators get them off the street yeah he was de- he was an early proponent of of that type of politics especially in the you know the 1980s were a higher crime decade and he was in the camp that was loudly saying that there need to be much greater consequences rather than any sort of material amelioration for those communities. Okay, so you had Reagan like bringing like law and order and one against the communists and two probably domestically. And then so you had to need needed a champion on the left to say we need to lock black people up, basically. Right. Yeah. For things like that, you need a dancing partner. You know, it's like you need a you need someone to go along with it. And Joe Biden turned out to be that person for the Republican Party time and again in his career. Okay. Really, there's only two things that I think I can point to that 
were were more partisan and focused on the Democrat Democratic side. But even the Violence Against Women Act was was a passive bipartisan support, if I'm not mistaken. Well, well yeah, I mean, I wanted you to act, do, but... do a look in like, you know, what is something that he's done that you you've supported? I mean, yeah, making punishments for people who commit violence against women is good. Good. Uh, you know, protections for hey, them. Let's kick a quick pause. <laughs> we agree on something. No one yes. likes violence against women. Quick pause. Yes. We should we should take this as like an opportunity to do a quick flashback. We've uh, we've established a point of of mutual support. I think one time, mom, like for whatever whatever, like I think she was, you know, it was like a weight thing, and she was like, you know what, we're doing, we're going green, and she was gonna really try to push a vegetarian meal on us. And this is like before you've gone vegetarian, a la like your own choices. And <laughs> you know what, God bless her, she wanted to try and like introduce our vegetarian like week with something like Brussels sprouts and squash. And I just wasn't having it. And it was like a real good point of us being like, we looked at each other and went, no, mom. Like, <laughs> no. We may disagree on some things. But yeah. Yeah. Like, friend, you know what? We might have some conflict, brothery <laughs> brother, but we're don't, don't sell out the hamburger helper or the, you know, the, the chicken in the crock pot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were definitely uh, always, always extremely skeptical of health foods. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. That was a, that was a democratic plot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if it doesn't have grease in the beans, then like, give me some cheese. So exactly. Like, I, yeah. I need, I need to feel the fat run through my, my okay, blood. Good. All right. So um, <laughs> we agreed on Joe doesn't like doing violence against women and, you know, and made legislation by prosper. Okay. Keep rolling through his history, please. You've done the research. Yeah. So aside from that, it's, it's kind of littered with, <laughs> I mean, pretty uh, appalling things from being honest. One is his opposition to busing and racial integration. His, what? his, well, he was opposed in the 70s and the 80s because communities were so segregated and schools were so un- inequitably. I mean, nothing's changed, of course, but uh, but schools were very inequitably treated in terms of their funding. So there were policies of busing, of busing kids from one school district to another where they wouldn't be zoned for in order to actually integrate schools and ideally provide the same amount of quality. Quick admittance here was looking into this after you brought this up the first time. And, you know, I've also found that that's um, had a lot of roots into the big private school movement. I mean, sure, there were always private schools beforehand, but in a lot of those areas that weren't super up for um, desegregation, Christians found them, their kids in, uh, in some private schools. And that, yeah, and that, definitely, that's, that's especially a freaking bummer because you know what, man, like, right. That was the beginning right. of the Christian private school movement, private school waivers, and, and really a defunding of, of a lot of, you know, education, public education resources. But so obviously, I mean, he was, and he's even bragged about his, his times working side by side with Strom Thurmond, you know, like virulent racists, but Hey, you know, let's try not to dig into that much. We're going to try to approach this with good faith. So I'll keep he's, plugging he's a unity candidate, man. Keep going. Yeah. I will say he did support a black man in the confirmation of Clarence Thomas, but at the expense and humiliation of a black woman who was making a case that uh, Clarence Thomas had sexually harassed and assaulted her. Uh, and that was when he was presiding over the confirmation of Justice Thomas. Yeah. And then I think really the thing that, you know, besides the crime bill, the other thing that I think is his biggest has his biggest impact still today. And we're living with the consequences of it in every part of our political life was his support for the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, a lot of people did support that at the time, but few were as influential and vocal and trying to convince other Democrats to go along with those invasions. 
Okay. Uh, and that, to me, is a major part of the legacy of Joe Biden. And I think also speaks to the type of foreign policy uh, mindset he has as pre- will have as president. Okay, so uh, just uh, just a small piece on that um, foreign policy mindset he's had as president. I think one in which uh, he probably largely I don't want to paint him lock and step with, step with uh, John McCain, but this idea that like, hey, post World War II America, we dropped hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of soldiers in American bases in some of the historically uh, or historically world's most warring countries: Japan, Italy, Korea, England, Germany, and sure. we've stabilized them. And they are now beacons of democratic progress and capitalism. And that's why John McCain said, hey, you know, or maybe it was George Bush, Iraq will be a democratic anchor of the Middle East. It's why we, it's in fact, built an embassy in Baghdad bigger than the Vatican, because we were going to play Iraq like we played Germany. And in a sense, I'm not saying like, you know, so sure. That's what I mean. Of course, none of that had anything to do with, you know, protecting oil rights or anything like that. um, Sure. Uh, You know what? But comes to find out, we don't have the political will or the maybe the treasure to do it. So, okay, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just that's how I interpret what you say. Keep going. Sure, sure. I I mean, at the end of the day, it the the reality is, is that it has defined our political legacy. And so, you know, okay. the, the play, the position we're in now is very much connected to to those wars and those forever wars we've been a part of. So that's who he's been up until really vice presidency. Up at that point, you know, he was he was the guy who also wanted to invade Libya when Obama decided to do that. And, and those other things like he was he was not a progressive voice in the administration. Okay. He is wow. largely a center right Democrat. All right. Right. And seemed like a little bit of a, a hawk on um, in foreign policy. Like, you know, what if America has some getting to do, let's get it. Yeah, he was big on like uh, fighting in Bosnia and Yugoslavia, doing the you know uh, had a son though go through you know die in in a, in a in a war in Iraq I think or is Afghanistan but yeah well he didn't die in Iraq he died of cancer later and we can get to him later because he has a lot of uh, let's interesting well, let's not take on his a, life okay. but keep going move through yeah 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 so. That being said, now they're trying to pitch him, at least to people on the left, and I assume to everyone, that this is going to be the most progressive administration in the history of the United States. It will. That's what we were told. That's what you were told, but not true yet. Well, you know, there's still time, of course. Okay, Um, so to you now, what makes it not true then? Because, I mean, talking to a conservative, I look at his executive actions, and I'm, I'm thinking or presidential orders, you know, keep going. Well, what makes it? Well, not yeah, I think, I think what it really comes down to then is like, what do Democrats mean by the word progressive? Because okay. to me, I look at his policy platforms and I don't see a progressive platform, but it depends on what you're, what you're after. So I think, you know, the, the types of things he expected to be heralded for, for instance, is stuff like pointing Lloyd Austin, general Austin to be the first black secretary of defense. Are you against having a black secretary of defense? <laughs> see what you're trying to do. See, but, it's what I hear on the left. It's like I'm picking up these tools. <laughs> anyway, I'm not against having a black secretary of defense, but I am against having former Raytheon executives and not just former Raytheon executives, but immediately preceding this uh, as being a Raytheon executive becoming the secretary of defense. Um, I think that's a problem. I think there that, might be that, some Eisenhower beware the industrial military complex action going on there where we buy big contracts that fund foreign wars. Okay. Yeah, like I mean, I know a lot of American liberals will have been saying that oh, we're making history 
But I wonder if the children of Yemenis who are being bombed by, uh, you know, Tomahawk missiles with the words Raytheon imprinted on the side also feel like they're a part of history. That's, that's uh, it's, I think, a, it's a lip purse. Look to the side. <laughs> think about that. Keep moving. War is a racket. Yes, war, war is a racket and, and business is good. And as long as it keeps going, there will be always always be buyers. And I think that's kind of a presiding instinct that Joe Biden has. So I don't trust him in foreign policy at all. Okay. I think that a lot of the things he wants, says he wants to do, even some of the the um, gestures he's done through his executive actions, like rejoining the Paris Climate Accords. I mean, that's not as bad as it could be. But I mean, these Paris Climate Accords are non-binding. They certainly wouldn't get even if they were binding they wouldn't get us to the place that scientists say we need to be in order to meaningfully prevent the effects of climate change quick pause Um, i'm certainly like yeah we we totally crisscross here in that like you know because the changes that would potentially need to be made as per the scientists i'm more in the sense of like yo let's give a hundred million dollars to somebody who figures out um you know chlorophoric carbons in the atmosphere like let's 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 full steam ahead you know that's certainly one take and but i can understand why conservatives look at something like that and and don't believe it they don't buy it because the fact of the matter is if joe biden truly believes that climate change is a major issue then what he's doing and the things he says he's going to do for it are not in line with that belief. Fascinating. So you're a, a true believer, and I, you know, and I understand there is climate change, and I'm I've been persuaded that man's got some some influence on that. But so you're saying, but yeah, like, if, but if you really believe what you're saying, dude, we'd be doing way more. Exactly. So I can see how people look at that and say either one hypocrisy or two, you know, like he doesn't even know what he's talking about. He's he, you know, they they he doesn't know what he what the scientists actually have to say. Like if you were to actually dig into it, it doesn't line up with reality. So those are, you know, just kind of some, some small, but I think very representative examples of whatever tie progressive politics used to have to material politics, to people's lives actually changing, to people actually having more change in their pocket, people actually having some more financial security, whatever tie that had to progressive politics is, in my opinion, Joe Biden is the final severing of that tie. That he, he, everything from now on, pure symbol, pure spectacle. It's just now the spectacle has more people of color in it. It's just a replacement for, it, it's bread and circuses, but I'm actually trying to find where the bread is pretty so much. Bread and circuses? You're illusion. Yeah, that's, you know, bread. that's what the, they used to say in, in Rome. You know, you and I used to watch Gladiator. That was a big family movie. Of the it was. And- that's, you know what? A great, another point of agreement. I just introed Samantha to Gladiator. She agrees it should have won an Oscar, you know, Good Russell Crowe. I mean, I would say American icon if he was American, but I think let's just call him an honorary one. Jean Valjean, um, I, I, yeah, great guy. So, okay. But, so. but that said, like, you know, like that, that was that, that sort of line. I'm pretty sure that's a line in the movie of, you know, giving the people bread and circuses. But that, that idea is like, okay, if you can't do anything to change them. They at least need to be fed and they at least need to be entertained. And now well, it's just. He understands what Rome is. It's a <laughs> We need to get off yeah. Gladiator clothes. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Great film. Great yeah, film. If you haven't, maybe, seen, maybe Gladiator, or haven't seen it this year, context. go ahead and rewatch it. Okay. So, so you've told me that Biden's a facade, a multicultural uh, administrative facade, and I'm agreeing with you. I want to think it's a facade in the wrong direction, but we're agreeing on the facade point. Again, no more Brussels sprouts, mom. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, it, I, 
like I, I see representation is good and important. And, and, you know, as a straight white man, I've always seen myself represented in media and, and in politics. So I've never really had to question that. But I would love anyone to explain to me with a straight face how General Lloyd Austin, this Raytheon executive being made secretary of defense, makes life better for black people in America. Well, um, just as a, no, no, a name for Lloyd Austin or Barack Obama, having somebody in that uh, a skin color into that position that's never been you know accomplished before does create this one positive like feeling and movement of social change that you know I too can do it if I'm a, you know a young black. But man. what it also does, and I, that's true, and I don't want to diminish that. Who am I uh, arguing for affirmative action to you? So, but, keep- but what I will also say that it does is it provides cover. It's it allows Raytheon to rebrand itself and the presidency to rebrand uh, that administration, that cabinet position, rebrand itself as progressive. Ooh, now the secretary of so defense, you, so we this see person, the, it, 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 you know, prosecuting forever wars against woke. poor people. Got it. That's what you're telling me. Yes, that's what I'm saying is that it's not bad in and of itself to have black secretary of defense. It's bad because it allows them to get away with things they might uh, otherwise be able to get away with. So now I think, you know, having said all that, it's worth, even though I hesitate to give them any benefit of the doubt, I, for the purposes of this episode, I want to try and really examine what he says in his inauguration and some of the things, other things he did with his executive actions and, and just see if, if those things match up. So I'm going to read a little section here. It says, he, he goes on, he talks about a lot of the problems facing America, you know, environment, racism, defeating white supremacist terrorism. But he says, To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and to secure the future of America, requires more than words. It requires that most elusive of things in a democracy, unity, unity. In another January in Washington, on New Year's Day, 1863, Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. When he put pen to paper, the president said, if my name ever goes down into history, it will be for this act and my whole soul is in it. My whole, my whole soul is in it. Today on this January day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people and uniting our nation. I ask every American to join me in this cause, uniting to fight the common foes we face, anger, resentment, hatred, extremism, lawlessness, violence, disease, joblessness, hopelessness. With unity, we can do great things, important things. We can right wrongs. We can put people to work and good jobs. We can teach our children in safe schools. We can overcome this deadly virus. We can reward work, rebuild the middle class, and make healthcare secure for all. We can deliver racial justice. We can make America, once again, the leading force for good in the world. So, a lot there. I want to first, like I said, give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and say that I, I think we could all agree that more unity is good. Agreed. Right? right? That's, I think we are, we're all after Dyers, we are almost three for three on agreements. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is kind of like we had this we both enjoyed Boy Scouts, but we both thought a lot of the people who did it were weird. We're on the same like wavelength, hey, dude. <laughs> we're, we're we're that. Don't jinx it, man. You better knock on. Wood. Okay, keep we're, going. We're, we're halfway we're, through this. We're, we're steaming. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. So you know we we want unity's good, but in his speech, there is very very little talk about how that unity is achieved. From everything I've listened to and read of it, uh, and I. I think I've listened to and read the speech a couple of times. There are some vague references to respecting one another and having an open mind about and having an open mind about the way people look uh, and the things they worship. But I don't see 
to you as a conservative, as a Christian, do you see that Joe Biden has reached out an olive branch of unity to you? Do you how do you feel? Good question. I definitely consider myself more uh, Christian than conservative because a lot of the sure. Christian values are much more progressive in, in nature. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, the one I think that had a lot of Christians was his executive action to fund overseas uh, institutions that performed abortions just because like, man, that, that one that just stirs up the base, the absolute most. The other one, it was just really interesting. Our Congresswoman, uh, Beth Van Dune, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Uh, freshman Republican from North Texas uh, basically got a, a small coalition of 17 other Republican freshmen to say, hey, we are interested in bipartisanship. We want to work with Democratic leadership and the president to vote on some um, majority Democratic legislation in the affirmative. And they felt completely rebuffed. They weren't really uh, received well. They weren't didn't even get a reception. And a lot of those executive actions were pretty much antithesis of that. So I thought that was just a little bit of a like, wow, you had some freshmen that were trying to, you know, essentially buck the Republican leadership. That would have been a really good undercut for the Democrats to even in a vow of bipartisanship. And they didn't even do that. But that's the thing. And that's why I really don't think they're going to offer anything that one is attractive to conservatives because that would alienate some of their base. And two, anything that is actually that all the country or a large majority of the country is behind, you know, things like Medicare for all that have uh, more than 50% of the country support support of. But the reason why he doesn't want to unify in that way is because the outcomes of continuing to prosecute a culture war, which is something both the Republicans and Democrats love to do, is way, way more beneficial to them maintaining their, their status and their power than actually giving people things that could materially benefit their lives. Like, and, and both both parties are fully guilty of this, but I think what makes the Democrats very sickening to me and their leadership is that they pretend that they're not so you know to me at least republicans are like you know f you you get nothing whereas <laughs> democrat democrats are like promise you the world and then the only thing they've delivered so far and i think the reason why i've done all these executive actions so far is because they know they can't get much really passed it would be interesting they have a majority in the houses of government so like they can do any they can do this all by law yeah, exactly. But these the executive orders are just they don't want to have to exercise the political capital. So these everything pretty much, although I think there are some good things in the executive actions are really just like payouts to special interests that supported the, the Biden coalition. Mm, interesting. And, you know, like, although I think there are some some of those are good special interests at the same time, like it's not about unity. It's about, you know, distributing the spoils of war and then taking the rest for yourself <laughs> and i think that's what we're gonna see yeah you know what man and i think you're making a larger point that we've largely fallen into as a trap the last couple conversations but you know um what we didn't see and what we could what i think what you're saying is i mean, I mean correct me i think you're saying what we hoped to see in unity was bipartisanship um, and legislation for a majority of Americans for their benefit. An example would be like for this new infrastructure bill, a free public Wi-Fi and like a, a, a government Wi-Fi across the country, something that would make education cheaper, that would make uh, business investment and uh, cost of business go down. Instead, we are really just seeing special interest driven executive actions and nothing really substantial for people. So it's almost like money's getting moved to powerful groups and not to middle-class, lower-class Americans who, if given an investment, could return multiple ROI fold. 
Yeah. And I think really the reason why that is, is because I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think that would be great. Public Wi-Fi. It's it, it, not simple. It would take work, but it's doable. Definitely doable. The reason they don't do things like that is because there's nothing in it for them. It would be a lot of work on their, on their behalf. And the reality is, is that's, that's just another, <laughs> they can't get people used to the idea that the government can give them things that the government can provide actual services. And if, as soon as they start doing that, they realize the jig is up because th- that then once people start continuing to ask for things, they'll have to say no at some point. Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, and I think that there's a valid question, you know, to the, a little bit more of the free market bend, like, well, could it be provided better <clears throat> by yeah. the government or by competing, you know, private um, companies, different story. So, okay. But I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I think Biden says it the best himself. And he said this at, this is from a Salon article, which you know, not my favorite, but is a direct quote from a source that was at, at this campaign event where he said, he's telling wealthy donors, and this is right after the, the poor people's campaign event he attended, mind you, just as a, a little detail. But he says, the truth of the matter is you all, you all, you all know, you all know in your gut what has to be done. We can disagree in the margins, but the truth of the matter is it's all within our wheelhouse and nobody has to be punished. No one's standard of living will change. Nothing would fundamentally change if he was elected. And to me, I think the vast majority of Americans, whether they're right or left, see that statement and they believe it to be fully true. They know it to be true because they know that the game is rigged. The rich are leading most of us around on a leash and there's not even anyone we can yell about it or hold any accountability for it. And so those to me are unifying concepts. Those to me are the most unifying concepts mm. in America today. But obviously Biden would never rely on those or use those because he would risk his own, you know, power. You know what? And, and I think that actually, boy, Cyrus, we're four for four. I love you because that <laughs> to me had to have been the biggest reason more well articulated why I supported Trump first one, just because he was like bold face calling out this. The game is rigged kind of uh, uh, and he it's, uh, almost was saying and I've benefited from it. Yeah, um, he was so, saying he's, and he's so, one of the guys who helped. And rig I it. <laughs> had no problem being that he yeah. benefited from it because he was one of the first to say the game's rigged. Yeah, so. he would openly talk about like, yeah, I would give people campaign contributions. They do this for me or I would hang out with mafia guys like he was. That's why I think that's why people were, uh, you know, people in power were so scared of him really at first because what he represented. Was yeah, yeah a, a tell all. Right. So, okay. So Cyrus, boy, we don't want to get lost on this one, but so we've got a candidate that is the woke establishment and not just, and I think establishment where we need to really dig into it in another conversation. Cause this is one I'd really think we could find some, some sparks by agreeing is a lot of the moneyed interests, really powerful special interests or really rich companies or individuals working together and basically throwing everyone else who votes a bone and so that's gone woke and, yeah. but we're getting really good words. Okay. So what do we do, man? Like what's, what, 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 what now? Uh, so I, what, what's, what's, what's your play? And, yeah, you know, I also I think... want to end this. Sorry. I also want to end this to make sure that like we have our whole mission's brotherly love, right? Yeah. And so we see all that going on in front of our faces, but what do we do? Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's, that's the big question, right? This is to me, I mean, I was severely affected by Joe Biden becoming the president, the inauguration, that whole thing, because as someone who cares about a left project or, you know, restoring equality and equality of opportunity 
to this country and putting us back on a path that can lead to actual prosperity for, for all of us, I felt like, wow, we've been soundly defeated by the forces of the establishment. You know, whatever you want to call it, the swamp, the establishment, they're, they're winning. So, but what, what that led me to do is, you know, I remember I was trying to vent to you. You were just telling me to write things down and I just wanted to vent. So oh, dude, yeah, that. no, I mean, the Trump uh, <laughs> pardons, you were irate to the point of yeah. almost destructive, like you almost wanted to like not do anything. You were so damn mad. So you were, you well, I was, I was irate so because mad. it's not that I didn't expect, I expected his pardons to be so much better than that or anything like that. But I was just irate at how the people he pardoned were fraudsters and scumbags from the right, the left, anyone. People who were connected to Epstein, people who got underage uh, prostitutes for not underage prostitutes, just raped children. Essentially, that's what an underage prostitute is. And like some of those things are alleged. I want to cover my bases here. Allegedly. But what I'm saying is, is like that represented to me as a, a, a finality at the end of the Trump presidency and the sort of goal of the Obama presidency of breaking this fever, establishing the neoliberal order in the world and and so i called dad to vent because you wouldn't vent me um, I, I wanted you to be constructive and create a u.s history episode but keep going <laughs> well, and here we are um <laughs> but i called dad to vent and he actually was right there with me ready to vent i mean he comes from a different perspective more much more conservative guy of course but the first thing he said to you me get angry with the best of them then yeah first thing he said to me in that conversation was i'm cyrus i've been telling you all along it's it's a class thing it's a class. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know. I know. But <laughs> just and, and the class, you're saying it's just like it's it's the people with uber money and power and it's the people with with not that. Yeah, it's people with with power, money and access to power, basically. OK. And for one, I was like, I didn't even want to correct him and be like, I'm pretty sure that was my idea. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, what? I when, just when like, you're yeah, winning, it's a team. Me, man. Tell me more about how the richer, you know, uh, need, need to be put in their place. And but he in the middle of the conversation, he sort of regressed a little bit and he went back to, you know, sort of older modes of argumentation. And he was telling me, you know, he's like, just just be warned, Cyrus. You know, you're starting this podcast, you're putting your name out there. He's like white straight men, you know, they're not going to have their voices heard in the Biden administration. They're going to shut that down. And I was like, Dad, I'm going to shut you down right now, because what did you tell me at the very beginning of this conversation? It's Mm. all about class. I was like, what you're doing right now is culture war. And he's like, no, Democrats do that. And I was like, no, you were just ragging on Mitch McConnell for 10 minutes. She oh, no, yeah. You know, Christian leaders are, are, are propagating, putting it out. We yeah, need to engage it, this culture war. The, it takes two to tango and everything. And if one, it, a, a culture war can't be prosecuted without both sides engaging. And we have it's coming to the time now where we really have to ask ourselves, why are they so committed to, to dividing us on wedge issues that don't affect our daily life? It just is remarkable to me that we're still having these arguments when there are things which we all agree on. There, there really are, you know, and, and those things, in my opinion, are based around uh, you, there are unity politics. But what unity politics requires is like us all having a vested interest in the project that we're working on. So to me, I, you know, I sort of look at the whole Biden administration, the, the presidential project the Democrats are working on, the media supplication to the Biden administration, which is sure, 100%. practically North Korean. And I say that, wow. So what do we what do, do, we man? do about this? Yeah. Well, about that, 
we well, have well, what to can stop. we do now? Let's talk short term. Yeah, you know, like what can we do today? Because we, you know, what we're getting long, we're running along here. We have hours left of material, but we're not going to get into it. So, well, what, what can I'm you telling and me you do? I'm, like, what can we do? What I'm going to do, and this is what I think other people should do, is to stop caring about who the president of the United States is, because that's not our decision to make. They're not interested. Young people, uh, people of color. Uh, working people, they don't pick who the president is. So I'm going to stop caring about that. And I'm going to start caring about the things I can see around me. I'm going to look for the places where there's help needed. I'm going to uh, support my coworkers. I'm going to follow my local elections. Um, Mm. Although, you know, I mean, electoralism, I think, can have some practical effects. Like your city council members have more of an effect on your life than Joe Biden does. Local judges, man. They, they decide who to prosecute. DAs. These are all important things. If I were to give any advice to anyone, which, you know, I'm hesitant to do because I'm still figuring all this out myself, stop caring about things you can't control and start thinking about the things you can control. I mean, you, you told me a, a story the other day, which I, I know you didn't, you didn't say out of any, you know, braggadociousness or anything like that. But it just struck me as a perfect example. And it was that um, that lady you, you saw at Walmart. Can you can you give it? Can you share that story? Are you willing? Uh, sure, sure. You know what? I shared it once. So I guess um, full disclosure, just to my fellow Christians out there who would probably throw some shade on this. Jesus does say, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So maybe there's some treasure to be forfeited in heaven on this one. But um, maybe other people will do likewise and other will all be the richer i'll um, buy you a candy bar here so excellent <laughs> um almond joy actually anyway um so samantha and i were finishing up some end of the year giving and dude it was in t- 2021 so we were weeks behind on this and we both committed to it in the sense like we committed to each other and we were arguing about it and it wasn't joyful it was actually uh, frustrating and to the point where she even made a remark as we were trying to get through this process, like, Chase, this isn't joyful. In fact, this is stressing me out. And I know it, like, we're being trying to be charitable and I know it shouldn't be this way. Can you pray for us right now? Because like my heart's not in the right place. So I did. I just I, I prayed a, a little bit. But one of the things I did say was, God, help us to enjoy this, please. Help us to help change our hearts. Help us to be enjoy charity. And so, yeah, I went to Walmart later that day for pick up, doing a curbside pickup for Samantha. I was running behind, kind of feeling pissy because I was doing a chore, like when I had a hole in my schedule to like knock some stuff out. And there's this family, uh, Indian family with kids, kind of like a, a really beaded down van next to them asking for pampers and groceries. Sort of long story short, I had I asked the, 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 the one of them to meet me at the front of Walmart and the, the wife, uh, Mariana, as what was, you know, her English name probably. And I went through Walmart and um, I had this strong sense that like she'd never been in a Walmart where she could like get whatever she wanted and like load it up. And um, man, when we first walked in, I'll just tell you, like she almost lunged at like the Walmart three foot long bread, loaf, loaves of bread. And like you just grabbed three or four of them and just clutched them like it was like, you know, straight up to her chest. And then she kind of realized what she'd done and like looked at me and like, and it was, was went to go put one or two back. I'm like, you know, there's like a couple bucks a piece, right? So it's like, no, yeah. like we'll, we'll get them. And I was really tripping out on the scene just because enjoying her walk through and kind of trying to talk to her. I you know, got to ask if she knows Jesus and um, that Jesus loves you. And I'm, you know, Jesus told me to do this because 
I almost didn't stop, to be honest. In fact, I had to turn around. I was talking to mom. And it just kind of shows you, man, how thick I can be and how hard this, this thing is that you're talking about. It's like, we just got to really, really look around and love us, love people. Actually, I'm a, sort of ashamed to say, man, it wasn't even until like we started um, walking out, um, like towards the cash register, that like it started to kind of dawn on me. And it dawned on me like, it's like, man, this is my answered prayer. And she actually started to cry. And, and she, you know, basically she, you know, pretty broken English, but she basically says like, I have no food at home. And, and, you know, I got to tell her like, Hey, God sent me to you today and he loves you. And she said, you know, she was, she said she'd been there like four months in, in America, but like, you know, I pray God that he look after us here. And, um, man, and, you know, that's just something that um, I just I know we try to do a prayer segment or we're going to try to start one. That's my prayer for us, man, just because, to be honest, dude, I can get so wrapped up. That I don't, you know, get a freaking bonus check to what I want. So God help us. Right. Like, you know, yeah, man, we, can be, well. we can be literally asking God things that he wants to give us like God help me enjoy loving people and charity and then just to see what kind of blessings he drop on you. You know what I mean? Like that made my made my month, man. You know, now all of a sudden, like I'm looking for it. And, um, so yeah, that's the story. Yeah, man. Well, I mean, if you'd be, uh, willing to give up a little heavenly treasure for the benefit of society as a whole, you might in fact be a socialist actually. But, uh, I no, Chase. I, I, oh, I the reason I asked you to tell that story, I think is I have uh, some sparks going off on that comment. I'm not sure how to take <laughs> it. I'll let you, I'll give you a pass. Keep going. <laughs> What I will say is the reason I asked you to tell that story is because I want people to know that you're a good guy. Oh, that's it. Actually. Uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm not <laughs> no, a good it's... guy. Even Jesus said none is good, but God, but like, you know, it was one of those that like, dude, I feel like God blesses me despite my freaking best effort. Cause literally I had to pray, like, should I turn around? Cause I would have just given him a five spot if I even had one, but I didn't. Yeah. And so yeah. like, I look at it that was either I really do this or I just don't. Yeah. And, and mom got all worried and needed how to call Samantha because like I, you know, it was like an hour. You know, I don't know to say it was an hour, but it was like a good chunk of time. That Yeah. Well, know. I mean, I think it's like obviously there are a lot of people on the left who are very committed to service, to organizing, to making things better for other people, participating in mutual aid, things like that. But I think a lot of people on the left, too, get so caught up in the big picture of yes. feeling like there is no control we have over our situation or the way, you know, people's misery, people's suffering. And the reality is that's not true. There is things we can do. You know what? Uh, and I just, I'll answer you to that because I think a lot of Christians sometimes will assume the, the suffering is, is a given. And we forget like how much Jesus and sharing him and sharing his love and his blessings can change people's lives. Right. And so I think especially if you, you know, you go into this, oh, we need to engage in the culture war. We need to fight for laws that we believe in. Like, what? okay, got it. But man, that's not my primary mission. Christ's primary mission was like, share the good news that I, I can forgive you of your sins and you can have a relationship with God. Like, let's get on that. You know what yeah, I mean? And so, I think, I, yeah, anyway. Lars, well, I, like, I, I, I agree with you in the same, in the spirit of it, because I think the same is, is true of the socialist project. You know, like in the time when, when there were actual working class politics, you know, there were as a culture of a mutual support built up around those things. There were sports leagues. There were, you know, community organizations, unions. Before they got mobbed out. out yeah. I mean, even dad before he left the union. Right. I mean, softball. 
you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I remember going to those softball games and the pizza after and that's that sort a of good thing. memory. Yeah. Like we, you know, kids got fun, gotten fights in the back of Pizza Hut. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I remember those little finger things I would get. I liked fingernail the, uh, things. Disappearing ink. Do you remember that? <laughs> Wait, which ones? The disappearing ink stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember. One that. other. Oh, God. Good memories. I actually could beat one of the one or two levels on Cruising USA and get a free game. Um, that's where I started bad driving. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that trend is, has continued, uh, has continued. Um, hopefully, uh, Samantha mercifully is taking most of the drives most of the time. Over. You know that. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> uh, so take that Saudi Arabia. This is America. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, like, obviously uh, to me, like I want to see a socialist project in the United States. But I know that that's uh, far away. You know what? I Here's think- what you're doing. And I'll, I'll give, a, you know, like to the Christians who think Cyrus is off his freaking rocker. Um, he's probably has left the rocker. I will <laughs> say that, you know, I'm on all fours now, not not. But 100 years ago was the church serious about the social gospel in the sense of like they were for welfare. They were for workers rights. They were for some of these things. And I don't think the church should get as involved even as we are into some of these, well, I don't want to say that either. Cause I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still confused. I just sure. think that I'm more open to workers rights and, and working class politics. Um, you know, maybe out of the, the words of a socialist, like class warfare. I don't like that phrase, but then I, than I ever was before because I am starting to see that the game is fixed, man. It just, it look around us in the sense of like, how does no one get hemmed up after the Epstein stuff? Are you kidding me? Like, really you know what i mean and it's just like it just blows my mind and so they abide by they i mean people with like a billion dollars or you know in charge of groups or in companies different laws than i do and you no, know what that's I not mean, good for democracy it's not good for capitalism it's not good for nothing and and that's what i mean like when you actually follow the the lives and schemes of these people who are running things like it's enough to make you want to go insane and that's why like i mean you know listen, what we I should also do it's, stuff. It's, 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 I, it's a really good um uh you know what let's maybe drop a, a quick thing because we've been talking all, all offline about gamestop so maybe we drop a quick episode on that yeah. um and let's it's, do that it's something you can think about and talk about as a hobby but beyond that if you're giving it much more consideration than that i think you're no you're no but to back to it man it's that's how addicting this is right we can get just get lost in just the, the mass media of it all all the more we got to double down it's uh, it's it's uh, sports for ugly people. That's all national right. politics. Yeah, dude, we just um, love people better. But all right. what I, what I will say, Chase, then is I know we're we're really uh, we could easily keep on this this conversation going for a couple Lord more hours. Us. And God help um, us enjoy charity and and help us love people locally, man. Not be distracted, you know. And that's a lot of good Christian brothers. You know, we say like, dude, the devil's a deceiver. He distracts you, right? Talk like, about missing the forest for the trees. Yeah, man. Like that's all. Like. I am really uh, turn off your notifications from every freaking news station and just check them like once a day and focus on how we can love people within our own house, not much less our HOA. And then like use that energy that way. So that said, I think now's a good time to transition into prayer requests. Dude, let's Um, let's use this as our prayer request. Help us enjoy charity and love others. Let's not be distracted. That's that's, uh, that's God help us. God free us from distraction. 
Chase, real quick, I, I, I don't want to I don't want to neglect this section just because I do want to know what's going on in your life, what you're thinking. Any media you're consuming these days, any books, TV shows got you going? You know, uh, Samantha was into um, designated survivor series. Um, so and I'm normally not into TV, but, you know, their third season got really like political and sexual. And it was almost like entertainment that didn't degrade my moralities that I've been trying to build up once it did i stopped and we both stopped watching it just because man i'm so sensitive like i feel like i'm really trying to control my input so i was watching that and then i'm just reminded why like all popular media i need to reject for like good literature and books and things that like i can you know make me better yeah no i mean it's tough it's tough i think what about you well right now i'm watching the sopranos which i think i've maybe mentioned before we okay great you know why i don't though I know why you don't. I may try to make you at some point just because I think it will really inform our masculinity series well. Uh, I uh, would watch an episode for that. But uh, and yeah. to this air, to give you an, a, a quick feedback is, you know, I don't need to I don't need it's bad for me to watch things that I might have a proclivity to, like bossing people around and getting my way and see someone be successful with that. I don't need that fantasy because that dog in me is so freaking strong you start to feed it and it starts to fight the other dogs going on. Yeah. I sort of feel just like Scorsese movies. It's like success is defined a lot of ways. And with critical. Ah, analysis, see, I, that's exactly right. Like you can't worship God and mammon, man. And that is basically that lets me know. Mammon is a sexy. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, then I think uh, we can uh, go ahead and tie this one up. I'm sure we'll be talking plenty more about Joe Biden. So if you feel like we didn't get to your favorite criticism of him, don't worry. I'm sure we will eventually. And, you know, we got some great interviews. Please drop us some comments in, uh, in social media. We're everywhere. So find us. Yeah. Cross of gold podcast at gmail.com. Cross of gold pod on Twitter and Facebook. Cross gold podcast. And yeah, drop us some comments, uh, reach out, and we'll try and get back to you. All right, dude. I love you. Love you too, man. But principles are eternal. And this has been a contest over a principle. In this contest, brother has been arrayed against brother, father against son. It is for these that we speak. We do not come as aggressors. Our war is not a war of conquest. We are fighting in defense of our homes, our families, and posterity. This has been Cross of Gold. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'd like to thank Sant Invictus for producing our intro and outro songs. And uh, look forward to seeing you next time.